0: Down your face, reaching for something, someone to embrace. To numb pain. Welcome to Sobriety Checkpoint. I'm your host, Felicia Hermley. I'm a 12-stepper turned therapist. I'm married, and I have two littles under five. I love Jesus, but have had my fair share of struggling with church culture and religion. I know what it's like to be stuck in a restless, irritable and discontent rut, drunk and sober. In this podcast, you're going to find solutions to navigating mental health, spirituality and relationships to experience the peace you've been craving. It's time for that desperately sought after solo target run. Grab your keys and let's go for a drive. There's no judgment or breathalyzer at this sobriety checkpoint welcome back to another episode of sobriety checkpoint i'm very excited today i have an old friend t ballin on the show i met t maybe about 10 years ago and a couple of things about him that really just made me excited just about him and about recovery he's the type of person that makes you excited about your recovery he was on fire for his recovery he was excited he was all about it and i think it was a phase in my recovery where i probably was at a little bit of a low so seeing t at that time you know meeting him it was just one of those things that the timing was was just perfect i don't think he knew this uh, so i'm sharing this with him now you know, I just remember, remember him, remember his passion, remember his excitement. And I'm really excited to have him on the show to tell his story, to talk about what it was like, how life is now. He is an amazing dad and husband, and I'm super excited to to have him here. Like I said, he and his wife, uh, Patty, are a couple that I love to watch on Instagram. <laughs> They're just awesome, and yeah, welcome to the show, T.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Felicia. Yeah, it's been a long time. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited.
0: So to go ahead and get started, if you could talk about just how life was before recovery.
1: Well, you know, my name's T. Ballin, and I am definitely an alcoholic. Um, I normally don't ever go into... You know, the basis of my childhood in um when speaking or telling my story. But I think it's important to uh, lay some ground, right? So um I grew up in a family. Um it was me, my brother, and my mom and dad. My dad was a stone-cold functioning alcoholic, and my mom was the hot smoking hippie, just love her kids mother, right? And so Drinking and drugs were slightly acceptable, I guess, growing up, like you know i um my journey in the in the in the drugs and alcohol and all that started um with smoking a joint with my mom at the age of fifteen, which was acceptable, you know, and um, I found that the progressiveness of this disease is so true in my story from the very beginning, right? I started smoking weed at fifteen. Started drinking at 16, started using meth at 17, and by the time I was 18, I was looking at life in prison. Like that's the progressiveness of my disease, right? And sure enough, I I went to prison at the age of uh at, at 18 and um didn't come home till I was 26, right? And um I came home from prison and I can tell you that uh I was socially stunted, right? Like um I didn't know how to drive a car. I didn't know how to use a cell phone. Back then, that's when MySpace was the big thing, right? And like, I came out and was like socially shocked, right? And for the first time, I could drink illegally, right? And at that time, I didn't know anything about the disease of alcoholism. I just knew that I liked the feeling of alcohol, right? I liked the way that it made me feel. I'm a social butterfly. I get along with everybody. I talk to everybody, and and I have a very personable energy and um it magnified when I drank, right And so I'll fast forward. I won't go through all my drug logs or drink logs, but alcohol brought me to a place to where I met my daughter's mom in a bar and we partied together and that partying from partying to me using, I don't really know when that threshold was broken, but I can tell you that it was at a point I was about, This was in 2014, 24. So I was about 30 years old and I was in the grips of my addiction and alcoholism. I had completely destroyed and just crumbled every relationship around me, right? When I came home from prison, my mother was dying from COPD and cancer. My father was struggling with my mom dying. And, um, I was socially stunted. I didn't know how to deal with these things. And so I reverted right into this dark, deep, self-loathing depression, right? And, And I didn't know what any of that was at the time. All I knew was I needed to be loaded as much as possible, no matter what. In February of 2012, my mother passed. So my daughter was born December 31st of 2011 and my mother passed away february 16th of 2012 and i didn't know how to do i didn't know how to do life on life's terms right i fell even deeper into my addiction and which caused me to be a threat to my daughter um i battled with her mom back and forth her mom now i know that she felt the need to protect my daughter from me which At the time, I thought she was just trying to keep her from me, right? But um, now I know that if the roles were reversed, I would have done the same thing. I was not a good father. I was not a good human being. I was not a good son. And a string of events had happened. And she uh, had somebody call me and tell me that, uh, that they were taking my daughter away from me, that they were putting a restraining order on me, and that I wasn't to see my daughter ever again. And that day, I made a very stupid decision. I grabbed a bottle of Hornitos tequila, a 38 snub snub-nosed revolver. And my thought process at the time was, I was going to go to her house, shoot everybody in the house, go to prison where I was comfortable, and my brother would bring my daughter to come see me. First thought wrong, <laughs> right? Um, I showed up to her front door with the 38 snub nose revolver, about 15 shots of tequila in my stomach. I um went inside her house, told her family to put their cell phones on the kitchen table. And in the midst of this alcoholic rage, me in the living room with the loaded gun, her mom, her dad, her grandma, her brother, everyone in the living room, you know, um, God did something for me that I couldn't do for myself, right? Um, her father. Told me that if I was a man, that I would step outside and speak to him, give him that much. And um, and for a microsecond, God allowed me to hear him, right? And I know that now, that it was God, right? And I choose to call God as Jesus. That's my God. And at that moment, for a split second through the rage, I was able to hear him, right? And and I stepped outside with him, and that man told me that um that. If I were to give him my gun and leave, he wouldn't call the police on me. Now, mind you, Felicia, I'm a two-striker. This situation would have definitely put me in prison for the rest of my life. I told him that I wouldn't give him my gun, but I would uh, I would leave. And so I got in my car, and uh, I'm from San Jose, California, and I, and I drove to the east side of San Jose up on Alum Rock Hill, where you can look over San Jose City. Anybody from San Jose would know. And I can tell you that um, I was broken, right? I, I was i was broken mentally i was broken physically and most of all i was broken spiritually right and um bankrupt i mean just overdrawn bankrupt just broken and um and i was sitting in the front seat of my car and i still had the bottle of tequila and i had the 38 snub nose revolver and um and i had put one good one bullet in the gun in the revolver and i was spinning it closed and i put the gun in my mouth and pulled the trigger and, and I remember hearing the click of the gun and tears go down my face. And, and in my head, you know, I, I came to Alcoholics Anonymous and I hear people talk about the last desperate, let's make a deal with God, right? And like, God, if you get me out of this situation, like I'll change. And I can tell you that that's not my truth, right? My truth at that moment, I prayed to God and I, and I asked for God to just let the gun go off. Let me be done with everything, right? And I took a shot of tequila and, and, and I put the bullet in the gun and, and I'd spin it closed and, and and I pulled the trigger in my mouth. Click. I roughly got through about nine pulls of the trigger that night. I, um, I blacked out. Um, I woke up with my car on the center divide in the middle of a busy street, four o'clock in the morning you know, during the day, it's a busy street at night, it's a ghost town. And I was sitting there and, and and I had the empty bottle of tequila on the floorboard of my car. And I had a loaded firearm in my passenger seat. And I'm a two striker. And there was no red and blue lights behind me. And um, what I know now is that that was the first time I ever experienced a spiritual awakening, right? And um, what I've been taught in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous is spiritual awakening is a change of thought. And at that moment, when I came out of that blackout, maybe he doesn't want me dead maybe god doesn't want me dead right maybe i have a purpose here maybe i can change this and these are the thoughts that i came out of that blackout with was maybe maybe there's a chance right and by the grace of god today we have social media and you know this this program is is a program of 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 attraction and not promotion and there's a friend of mine by the name of mia j who i watched her her life changed via social media because of the 12 steps. And I knew that there was an outlet for help. Right. So that next day for the first time in my life, I admitted defeat, you know, growing up in prison and, 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 and on the streets and being involved in gangs, you don't really, it's not part of your, uh, your vocabulary is, is defeat. Right. And, and so I called her and, and I had asked for help and, she immediately gave me Gateway's number and said, "Here's your resource. You need to use it." And that's what she did for me. She didn't hold my hand. She gave me an she gave me an option, and she said, "I needed to do it." And um, I called Gateway, and and three days later, I was in Pathways. Right, I went to Pathways Recovery, Pathways Society Recovery, and what I can tell you is, um, place saved my life, man. You know, Pathways saved my life. I uh did a 60-day stint in Pathways. And um from there I went to an outpatient where I met you. And uh and I remember I remember going to Outpatient and I remember you playing the Bill W movie for me. And you know, at that time I was um I had I had a sponsor. I had, you know, close to four months, I think five months of sobriety, and I was knee deep in the steps at that time, right? And I was all in bro. Like I was, I was, I was drinking the Kool-Aid and I was eating the cake and I was all in. And, um, you were, you were, (laughs) you were all in. And you know, you know, what was crazy about, about watching the Bill W movie for the first time was to actually put visually what I had read in a book that was written so long ago. Right. And it's, it's crazy that the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is something I hold very dear to me, right? Still to this day, I drive around with a big book in my center console, just like I did in my backpack when I met you on the bus. Um, There's one in my center console in my truck and and I read it daily. And you know, when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, my sponsor told me, he said, you know, if you find yourself in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, you're probably an alcoholic, right? And as I open up the pages to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, I come across page eight paragraph two where it says, and I'm going to paraphrase because I'll probably murder it, but it talks about that, that the quicksand, right. That, that I was stuck in the quicksand and no matter how hard I fought, I couldn't get out of it. Right. And alcohol was my master. And like, I can tell you that that moment in the car with the gun was quicksand, right? Like no matter how hard I tried to change drugs or try to change alcohol or try to change friends, like I tried to do all these maneuvers. and, And, and the thing was, is that like, I thought I had a drug and alcohol problem when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, right? And come to find out that, that that was just a symptom. It was a solution to a spiritual malady that I didn't know anything about, right? You know, I'm grateful that we've come into contact and you allowed me to come onto your podcast and tell my story. You know, um, that's how it was before, right? And I came into recovery and 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 I did everything you guys told me to do. You know, the disease of alcoholism is cunning, baffling, and powerful. You know, it's the only disease, the only medical known disease that a symptom is to convince you that it doesn't exist. It's the only disease that tells you that it doesn't, that it doesn't exist. You know, I came into Alcoholics Anonymous with an open mind. I was willing. And my sponsor told me, he goes, you know what, T, he goes, if you don't remember the last time you got loaded, it's probably because it wasn't your last time. Right. And I can tell you that, uh, five years later, five and a half years later, um, That was true, right? I had five years, seven months of sobriety. I had eight sponsees. I've worked the steps six or seven times in two different programs. Um, I went to meetings every day. I did everything, everything, you know, the book, the power and the people. I did it all. And I forgot. I forgot the last time I got loaded. I forgot the feeling in the car. I forgot the sound of the click of the gun in my ear when it didn't go off in my mouth. I forgot the the feeling of waking up in the morning and 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 feeling hope i forgot that whole scenario right and um and i made a conscious t- decision to to go to las vegas and on the plane i made a conscious decision that when i land in las vegas i'm going to drink and i want to have a good time and i'm going to be normal and um i sat down in las vegas and 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 i ordered a drink and i picked that drink up and and i drank it and When I put it down, uh, it was four and a half years later. It was four and a half years later when I put that drink down. And I put that drink down. And when I put it down, I had bruises on my arms from where I was missing veins from hiding in the closet from my wife. Um, I, I, I put that drink down and the life that AA gave me and the spirituality that AA gave me was in shambles. Once again, you know the disease of alcoholism and my addiction roared its ugly head again. and the beautiful wife that I'm married to was about to be gone. my My new son, my four year old son, was um about to be taken away from me. and um and once again, i was um I was sitting on rock bottom, right? The funny thing is, is that I found that that rock bottom had a basement, you know, because I had hit rock bottom before and this time i was sitting in the basement of my rock bottom and i could tell you how 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 it works right like um i was trying to string some days along and um i'd get 2 or 3 days and then i'd get loaded and then i'd get 2 or 3 days 4 days and i'd get loaded and then i'd get a week and i'd get loaded and i'd try to go to a meeting and 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 i felt guilty because i was still smoking weed and um and and then i randomly went to a meeting and there was a man standing there who um who had known me Back when me and you met ran into each other, right? And he walked up to me and he said, I was waiting for you. And I was like, What are you talking about? And he goes, I had a dream that I was gonna run into you. And I could tell you that today that man's my sponsor. Um, he has 29 years sober. And uh and he said that God told him to go to that meeting that I randomly went to, a meeting that he never goes to. A
0: random, random
1: meet, like just random, random, like just a random meeting that I went to and he said, God told him to go to that meeting, right? Because my my sponsor is like the spiritual guru of Alcoholics Anonymous, I swear to God. He floats into meetings and he floats out of meetings. And 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 his conscious contact with God is, is probably the strongest I've ever seen and I've ever been a part of. And, and he told me that he was waiting for me, that he was literally not even in the meeting. He was standing in front of the meeting, drinking a cup of coffee. And he said that he was waiting for me to come. Like, I got chills. and and like not random not not random random. no no god's plan right god's plan like like and and he 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 relit my recovery fire right he um he relit it in a way to where you know i was embarrassed Uh, my my home group is the other wednesday night men's meeting um it's a meeting uh you know i i hold very dear to my heart and um And I can tell you that my first 30 days, I didn't even go to a meeting, right? Like like my first 30 days of consistent up to this point, my first 30 days, I refused to go to a meeting because I didn't have enough balls to stand up and say I was a newcomer. So I white knuckled it and kept giving excuses to my sponsor where I couldn't go to a meeting until 31 days. I can go to the meeting. And he started laughing at me, right? And he's like, you don't think I know what you were doing? And he goes, he goes, but you know what? as long as you stay and you you use that to give other people power right and you let them know that you didn't have the strength to do what they're doing when they stand up as a newcomer right and um and he convinced me to go back to my men's meeting and um and I got to stand up in front of the guys that I I adore you know guys that um, I look up to um and and tell them that um that I'm back right that I'm back I'm back in effect right I'm currently on my fifth step, which is exciting because I turned in my fourth step four times and it kept getting shot back. And I'm like, I've worked the steps so many times. And, and, and Felicia, you know, you've worked the steps, you know, like I I thought I put everything down on paper and, uh, that's not enough. It's not enough of the layers of the onion cut back. And, uh, you know, he said, T, if you want long-term sobriety, then you need to be honest. Right. And, um, you know, I can tell you that, uh, it's not something that I think I've ever shared at a meeting, but you know, two months ago. So when I was seven years old, my uncle molested me and, um, and he molested me for almost a year and a half. And it's taken me a long time to be able to speak about that publicly because I'm, I'm a man's man, you know? And, uh, and th- that's like something we don't talk about. It's taboo. And I can tell you that, um, that two months ago when I started my four step, a family member had called me and said, hey, did you, you hear about Uncle Phil passing away? And like, oh, my God, all the, the feelings of when I was a little boy and everything comes up and all the hatred and everything. Right. And and like and that's why my sponsor had kept shooting back my four step is because I didn't go into detail about that kind of stuff. Right. And so um, finally I did. I had enough. Um, you know, I gave it to God and over and over again because that's what we do. And um, I gave it to God until, until my God gave me enough strength to be able to speak about it honestly, right? And um, it's the one thing that I've left off my four-step every single round of steps. It's the one thing that I talk about after dropping my four-step, right? And for the people who are listening who don't know who that is, get through one, two, and three, and then you'll figure it out, right? Like, <laughs> um, But it's the one thing that like, did you leave anything off? And then I'll say it verbally, right? But to put the pen to paper, the power of that is um is just ridiculous, right? and so, um, I've done that. And, and now I'm at a place where I'm in two weeks, I'm dropping my fifth step, which I'm excited about because my sponsor said that, uh, once I get through my eighth step, I can start sponsoring guys again. And that's what I want. Right. I think that, um, that I, I think that's the power in the program is when one alcoholic works with another, right. And, and, and that's what I'm hopeful for is, is to be able to, uh, to sit down with another man and 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 go through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous because uh we both know how it changes lives, right, Felicia? Definitely. We both know it, it changes lives. And um I think that's where I sit at today. You know, I sit at that today. I have a beautiful family. Um my wife is in recovery. Um I I don't talk about my wife being in recovery because she's she's very um she's, her her recovery is very personal to her. And and that's something that I I I have learned to um to kind of take on, because I'm not personal about my recovery. I'll stand in line at Lucky's and talk to somebody in line about the Twelve Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Like I'm just that guy, right? And and so I've learned to um to make some aspects of my recovery personal. And uh, I think I'll, I'll I'll kind of bring it to to head with the the personal aspect of my recovery today is um my conscious contact with God, right? Um. I have a very, very personal relationship with God. You know, when I first got here, Larry B. Told me, um, he used to always talk about staying connected, right? Staying plugged in, plugged in. And and, And I remember asking him, like, what do you mean by that, right? And he goes, well, check it out. Say you have a refrigerator, right? And you unplug your refrigerator. And then you open the door of the refrigerator. The lettuce, the milk. Everything in there looks amazing. It's still great, right? And he goes, shut the refrigerator and come back in a month. And he goes, your milk's spoiled. Your lettuce is rotten. And he goes, that's what it is for the inside of an alcoholic that unplugs from the higher power. Right. When you unplug from your higher power, instantly you still feel great. Come back in two months. And your insides feel rotten. You know, your decisions, your thoughts, everything is crowded. And 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 man, is that so true right? So what I did is I got the biggest plug I could possibly get and I plugged it in and, and the lights on and, and the, the AC's running and, and, you know, my insides again are, um, are pure. My thoughts are calm and, um, and my heart is back, right? Cause I, I don't know about you, Felicia, but, um, but when I'm drinking and I'm using one of the side effects is that, uh, I lose the ability and the sense of, uh, compassion, right? And, and, and I become selfish and self-centered and, and, and I lose the ability to love and I lose the ability to, to, to feel. And, um, man, does it feel good to be able to feel again, right? It feels good to be able to love again. It feels good to have compassion to my family. And most of all, like, like my wife not being worried, you know, cause for a second there, she, uh. She had never experienced a beast that she had seen. And I I swore that 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 beast would never come up, but I forgot. (laughs) I forgot.
0: Yeah. That was so beautiful. Thank you so much for your honesty, your authenticity, for just being real and raw. And you are just a, a beautiful human. So I just am grateful for... You coming on here and sharing your story and yeah just thank you so much and i know that there are some people listening that this has been the story that they needed so thank you again
1: i appreciate you felicia i do thank you for having me
0: thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed today's episode before you go please subscribe and leave a five-star written review Reviews help boost my ratings, which helps other parents in recovery find my show. If you're interested in emotional sobriety coaching, please reach out and schedule a call. Check out the show notes for my contact info and social links. Don't forget to like, follow, and share with a friend. I'm super excited to know this podcast is helping you. Tune in Thursdays for the latest episode. I'll see you back here on your next Target Run. Until next time. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions
1: are, stronger than we think we
0: are, so fight and show your strength, good and grace from our God, good and grace from our God, good and grace from our God, oh, good and grace from our God.